I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and it's time to get wealthy. So what are we talking about today? Well, here's what I want you to understand. And I'm sure many of you have maybe reached out to an investment company or wanted to figure out how do you get help about investing? And here's the truth. The truth is, is that every day, a woman, a person of color, reaches out to a financial services institution. And because they don't have enough investable assets, they really don't get access to private client kinds of resources. And so as a result of that, many are put into kind of cookie cutter funds that actually don't rise in value or increase in value to the degree that they could. Because here's what I want you to know. Learning about the financial markets and investing, typically that is inherited. I mean, literally, if you didn't have someone in your family who knew how to invest or, or your family didn't have a trusted financial advisor, you probably didn't learn either. And the reason why this is important, because the truth is that anyone can learn how to invest if given access to the right tools and resources. And that's exactly the conversation that we're gonna have today. How one woman was able to get access to the tools and resources and then apply that knowledge and now pay that knowledge to her family because now they too will have that inheritance of knowledge. It's time to get wealthy. Now I want to talk about the three things they really don't want you to know. And here they are. The first is that investing in the stock market is high risk. Well, the truth about investing is that investing in stocks, stocks have outperformed any other kind of investment, whether it's uh, investing through bonds or investing through uh, a savings account. The one thing you have to get comfortable with though, is knowing that your money's gonna go up and down. That's what wealthy people know that most people don't. Number two, oh, it's just way too complicated. Well, you wanna know the truth is, is that if you actually learn about the financial markets and how they work, it's really not as complicated as you think. And then lastly, that you need a lot of money to invest. Well, it is true that if you go to an institution, sometimes they'll make you think that you need a lot of money. But you, what you're gonna learn on Get Wealthy is that you can begin to invest with dollars and cents. You used to have to have thousands of dollars, but now you can invest through financial apps on the internet and know that, just know this, that anyone can get wealth. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and I'm so excited about this next guest because she is like so many people, first-generation investors. She's a technology professional. She's had immense career and educational success, 
And yet, like so many people, she felt like she needed to give her assets to a financial advisor. And yet, once she really gained the knowledge that she needed, she was able to increase the returns on her investments from 5% to 84% in just one year. So how did she accomplish that? Well, for so many people, what I want you to understand is that it really begins with these three things, mindset, strategy, and execution. And for Dia, who you'll meet in just a moment, her mindset, she needed to make the shift to a wealth mindset. And that really meant understanding that she could invest her own assets. She just needed to learn how. And what I know as uh, someone who has been coaching people for years is that for most of us, learning about wealth of, or the knowledge of how to build wealth really is inherited. So if you didn't have anyone in your family to show you the tools and the resources that you needed to invest with confidence, you probably never learned about the financial markets. If you didn't know how to really, what strategy that you needed to employ in order to make your money grow, you probably are like so many people and like Dia who had a 401k and savings, but never really felt like she knew or had the confidence to learn how to actually invest in the stock market. And then finally, you have to know how to execute. And that means it's not enough to learn all of the things about the financial markets. You have to actually apply what you learned. And that's exactly what Dia is did. And so I'm excited to welcome her into our Get Wealthy conversation today. Well, welcome to the program. Welcome to Get Wealthy, Dia. Thank you for having me, Deborah. Well, you know, I want to begin by you just kind of sharing a little bit about your financial, you know, story. Like, how did you, did you ever learn how to invest? Did anyone teach you as you were going uh, through your kind of educational career? No, actually, I think that was one of the probably most um, frustrating things as I got older was to realize that I really didn't have that education. I mean, I I went to college and had participated in a number of certification programs and continued to further in my education, but financial literacy really wasn't a mainstay. And so I didn't have the the, the background, the, the financial wherewithal, and certainly not in investing. And even as I started to move into work environments, mm -hmm. that financial education was limited, limited to what we would find out as you started to invest in your 401k. And that was primarily to actually have you invest in their products. So uh, it, I didn't have a broad financial understanding, but certainly as I went into the workforce, I, I knew enough to know that I should have a retirement fund, right? And that was that was pretty much the basics. One of the things that, Deborah, you know, we've, we've talked about 
I come from a meager beginning. So my family didn't talk about money because we didn't have it. And my mother used to say that often. We didn't talk about money because we didn't have money. So there was no conversation to be had. So when you talk about that sort of legacy or that happening and it's part of your family or generations, we, we didn't have that experience. And so uh, I really felt like I was at, uh, at a, a disadvantage. I was really starting you know, miles behind some others. Well, you know, the other question that I have for you, because I think it's so relevant to just our audience and, and just average folk. And that is once you knew that, like the whole investing world existed, I mean, did you how did you feel about actually making the choices in the things that were available to you, like your 401k or that sort of uh, investment that is common for most people? So I would say that, you know, again, my financial education came from the initially came came from doing and listening to whatever financial institution that was providing us our retirement plans. And uh, initially, and I know I've seen things make, some dramatic shifts, but initially that was somewhat limited to driving you into specific programs. Now they have portals with lots of, you know, sort of educational tools that you could leverage in other programs. But initially it was really, how do you get into the target fund? That was the one that I had that we, we changed. And, and so my, my viewpoint and my perspective was limited. And then as I started to invest, it was really just around the 401k. Um, I, I thought that if I got enough money to really look at investment more, I would hire someone that would really help me in understanding or maneuvering because we have skilled individuals in those areas for a reason. And I didn't, even though I know that I'm intelligent, I felt like that was an area that was for someone else to really help inform me, but not something that I would take on and learn myself and manage myself. So if I got enough money, I would bring someone in and they would pretty much tell me how to do, what to move, where to put things, and that was sufficient. And I think that that was very similar to what the 401k and those target funds were, right? That it kind of directed you in a path, but with limited scope, limited knowledge or information. And, and I missed opportunities to really maximize in the, my investments and, and, and make more. And I think that's really the key point, uh, you know, just in terms of you not having any exposure and then feeling like, somebody else has specifically had this knowledge and that you needed to rely, rely on them. Now, since you gaining the knowledge that you needed, what, what are your thoughts now? Like you, you, you've, as I said earlier, increased your returns from five to 84% in one year. What would you tell our, our audience about how, you know, that journey and how you feel now that you have accomplished this goal. Right. Can I, can I say don't use target funds? No, <laughs> that's probably not true. I think that's a good starting point, right? Starting point for, for folks. Certainly it was for me so that I made sure I was investing, but I think that, uh, you know, it's doable. 
And, and that's probably one of the things that I didn't recognize that you and and wealthy you really helped me to understand that this was something that I could learn and I could manage and you know I was also concerned about the time that would require and but I realize now that the time is time well spent right especially when you start to see the returns and so the biggest thing was or that one of the biggest shifts for me was that I was capable of learning and understanding everything that I needed to know in order to be a smart investor, in order to make uh, better decisions that actually allowed me to see benefit. And in that first year, uh, you know, I, I had the privilege of, of actually doing, you know, one-on-one coaching with you. And I think it was in our first two sessions where you showed me how to evaluate my funds and really look at the target fund that I was investing my money in and was getting limited return. And I know that's also a function of the market, but 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 there was more and there were other um, you know other funds that I could look at and consider it and diversifying in a way so that I could actually see more in terms of my investment. And that was something we did in what, a couple of, you know, uh, 45 hour long sessions. It wasn't long before I had the tools to be able to start to understand and look at these things a lot more objectively and, and make better decisions that I owned, right? And I think that that was part of it as well, not that I just relied on someone else, but that these were decisions that I was making for my financial wellness, my financial well-being, uh, and my financial future, and that of you know my future generations as far as my family is concerned. And that was huge. That, that was that was huge and, and it made a difference. And then we went from just looking at the retirement funds because that's where all my money was at the time to then having conversations about stock. And, and you know, there's a little hesitance, I think, uh, because what you don't know, you tend to, to fear or, or um, reject. And, and, and you made that understanding simple, right? And, and I think that, that that was huge in terms of making the, the mindset shift that I needed. Uh, there's something that you you say often, and that's you can't save your way to wealth. And 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 my grandmother was one who saved money under her uh, mattress or in the closet in the, in a little box. And 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 that was the extent we knew that there was you know some value or need to save a little bit. But that didn't do it. That didn't get my grandmother out of the projects, right? Just saving a little bit of money. And not again, not saying that savings is not good, but that alone wasn't enough to see the kind of changes that I wanted for myself and for my family. And, oh, that's, you know, it's a great, uh, and that's what I want our audience to understand. It's a great segue into our next conversation with Deanne. It really is about, Exactly what you said. You can't save your way to wealth. You must invest. And that's making that shift to a wealth mindset. So right now, what I, I want to do, Dia, is just talk about, you know, the kind of mindset shift or beliefs that you had. And 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 I think you referenced that by saying that you saw your grandmother saving. And now you've once you had your own kind of transformation, you now realize that you can't just save your way to wealth. And so to that end, like what kind of 
changes in your belief system did you have to make in order to have the courage, you know, to invest? And I think one of the points you made was that, you know, once you started investing in stock, that fear of loss. So just internally, what kind of beliefs did you have to, to change in order to really allow yourself to, to take on more risk? I think the first was that I had the capacity to, to learn this and understand what was necessary. I think that was a, a big mindset shift, right? Because again, I mentioned that I thought others had the expertise and, and they could help guide, but not necessarily that that was something I would do myself. And then I think the other was, you know, willing to take the risk. I remember when we were first starting and I had selected in my target fund what was supposed to be aggressive, right? And and you looked at that and you said, this isn't aggressive at all. And so the notion of taking on additional risk or being aggressive in terms of my um, uh, choices and even in investing in stock was a, was a big shift for me. Uh, and we, we make choices every day that are considered or could be considered risky, but was I willing to, to take that same kind of risk for, uh, you know, a different financial picture than what I had? And, and I think that was the other big one. And now, uh, you know, it's not just doc. Uh, um, uh, it, my next step was real estate. And then I'm looking at what else can we do and what other things can we, we move into? What other vehicles are available so that, uh, so that it just doesn't have to be this one thing. And again, you've often talked about diversifying. And so I'm all I'm often looking at what else can I invest in uh, that will be ways in which we can build uh, wealth and that I could lay the right foundation for building wealth for my children. And so, so the biggest thing was, um, again, that, that, that shift in willing to take the risk from the mindset perspective. And I think, you know, perhaps it was, you know, a little inner tenacity, not wanting to sort of live into the same experiences that my, you know, my, my, my mother, I did, my grandmother did, wanting something so much more. Well, you know, uh, and, and I love how you, you characterize that. It's almost as if the more you did, the more confident you became and the more curious you uh, became over other opportunities, right? So when we come back, I want to I want to continue this conversation with Dia around mindset because what she just described was really making that shift to a wealth mindset. And what you know, you need to understand about investing or or taking the kind of steps that Dia has taken is that the only reason you haven't taken them yourselves typically is because this knowledge is inherited. And so when we, when we come back, I want to delve in a little bit more into mindset and beliefs that Dia had to shift to in order to now start making the kinds of investments that she's doing outside of just her 401k. Let's be honest, as successful women, we're crushing it. Maxed out 401k and Roth IRA? Check. Aggressive savings and investments? Check. 
Yet, the freedom our success was supposed to buy can leave us stuck on the six-figure hamster wheel, watching retirement slip further down the road. There's another way. Get coaching courses and community at WealthyU.com. Okay, so now isn't this a fascinating conversation? And I hope you're really thinking about your own mindsets and perhaps some of the beliefs that you need to change if you're going to experience the kind of financial success that you desire. And so now what I want to talk with Dee a little bit about is her financial foundation, her beliefs. And I want her to think, so Dia, my question to you really is, if you were to think about your first experience with wanting to grow your money, what do you think about in your, even as you grew up, you know, it can be as a child or even high school or college. That's, that's interesting question. I, I almost don't remember an experience as a child that I could think of saying that I wanted to grow my my money. I knew that we we didn't have much and so we wanted money uh, and and we thought the way to do that or the way to build that was to go to school, get an education and get a good job, right? And and savings had to be a part of that and you wanted to do something as far as retirement, but outside of that grow your money, I don't know was was a consideration. You worked, right? <laughs> I think that was the, the 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 sort of common, you know, or prevailing thought. You work, you get a good job, and, and that's how you 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 come out of your the experiences or come out of the hood or come out of poverty. But it, I think the learning that I've gotten working with you has really been um, pivotal and actually me desiring to want to grow my money, not just earn, right? And, and, and that's one of the other things that you talk about, right? Making the shift from an income mindset. And so um, you mentioned this a moment ago, there was one thing and I got a little bit more comfortable with investing and then I wanted to do it more. And so I'm looking and actively seeking out ways that we actually can grow our income as a family and the things that we can do uh, to, to build that same sort of knowledge, understanding uh, with, with our children. And, and, and so it's, that has happened more latter. It wasn't, it wasn't early on. My early experiences wasn't about growing money at all. It was about having it. And you and you get it from 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 having a job, right? You, you get a good career. Oh, you know what? You so aptly described the difference from shifting from that income mindset that you described, and that's really what most of us were taught, myself included, that we would get go to school, get a good job, and that financial success meant making more income it really didn't mean making your income work for you. But now what I wanna talk with Dia about is the not only the process of the concept of mindset strategy and execution, but how you do things in real, real time. And so I wanna start with what I think is the most important um, aspect of it all that you've talked about today. And it was 
here you had access to all of these options through your employer, right? But, and you talked about target date funds. So I want to explain that just target date funds are where you pick a date that you're going to retire. And then the uh, investment company sort of puts a group of funds together for you. Now, when we started out with you kind of looking at your returns, I mentioned it was 5% initially. Did you know that you were earning 5%? And then what did you actually do to figure out, oh, I'm not earning as much as I could? Well, so did I know? I think at times I knew because we get a statement, but again, my mentality was you put your money in there and you leave it, right? Because it's for retirement and it'll grow a little something along the way. And so there were fluctuations. I think I might've gotten up to 11% at some point, right? But there were fluctuations in, in what we I was getting in terms of return. But um, so, so yes, I had some general knowledge of that and I could go into the portal and look at any statements at any point of time and see or have visibility into what was happening with the fund. But my mindset was this was a long-term investment, and so you leave it there. And I didn't really move it. And I know some people do. They go in and move their stuff around. But the intent, as you mentioned, of the fund was that it's preparing me for retirement later on. So I just put the money there and kind of let it alone. And and so I didn't didn't really pay much attention to the fact that it was kind of low. Uh, and with the information you provided, when we started to look at the um, the plan and approach for for evaluating the funds, um, it was I actually went back to um, the same portal for for that financial institution, and I looked at the other funds that they had as well. And there were some that were not target funds that were getting you know better returns in the last year or five years. But then you, but um, and and you had me look at that in comparison to information on uh, Morningstar and Yahoo Finance and one or two other sites as well. We were going to be able to piece together, you know, the different um, parts of the story so that I could evaluate the funds really well. And and so I went through those as well as thinking about the diversification. So did I have a small cap fund or a large cap and mid cap? And you know, do we consider international funds or not? And um, any other social funds, right? And so we looked at those categories, and you gave us a mix with which I could then um, find a few funds that would have the kind of returns or better returns than I was getting from the target fund. And um, and ones that I understood what also uh, they were investing in to make a good decision about what was now going to be my portfolio mix for the for for, for retirement. And then we um, and then I made the change. Right. And that was one of like the <laughs> it was probably the aha moment. Right. Because I made the shift in terms of where my money was allocated. Um, both what was already invested, invested and future investments uh, made that shift. And then I watched within the first quarter, I saw a huge shift in terms of my return. Now, again, I know that that has some to do with what was happening in the market at the time. But but some of that, that shift was really about putting my money in places that were um, doing better 
And I didn't do that before because I just used what was recommended to me as opposed to evaluating um, the performance of the fund and understanding what it invests in and what that means so that I can make better and more informed decisions. Well, you know, I think what's really interesting, too, and what I want our viewers to understand is sometimes we think that it's going to take a long time to make changes. And, and certainly I appreciate what Dia had said, you know, like certainly the markets have been up. And so that's one of the reasons that she had, you know, a, a pretty good return quickly. But I, I, I think the most important thing that you said was that it was right there. Right. Like, in, but you didn't understand what was in front of you. That's and it was there. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, so, so you were you were kind of like standing, you know, two feet away from gold. But because you didn't understand what it meant, you you didn't really know what to do. So so the other uh, the next aspect that I really want to talk to you about, Dia, is so you analyzed it. You move the money, you start seeing returns, you know, better returns. And then uh, how did you maximize that now? So now you're like, oh, man, I did this. So how did you really take advantage of now that you knew how to apply this? What other areas outside of just your retirement account did you start to, you know, apply that same kind of process? Well, so I didn't do anything more with mutual funds, <laughs> to be honest, right? Okay. Uh, my retirement fund was the only thing that I have mutual funds in. And and so once I made that move in as far as uh, uh, better fund choices, and I put in place the system to increase my investment there, annually until I was maxed out, um, I then moved to stock. <laughs> so so uh, mutual funds, really the only the only place I have mutual funds at this particular time is in my re retirement investment, and then I moved to stock, right? And so I started using, you know, your approach, um, started looking at how do I now invest in, 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 in stock. And, um, that was, you know, leveraging a very similar process as far as evaluating um, stock options, but um, or stock uh, and and what what uh, you know what stock would be good for me uh, to invest in. But but that was really the next move. It was now, now that we've tackled this particular area of challenge and we have that a little bit more on autopilot in a better uh, position. Um, now now let's look, now let's look at something else. Excellent. So, so, so you analyzed, right? And you sort of optimized. And so now you're talking about uh, uh, going into stock, right? And, and investing in stock. And when people hear, it's one thing to be in a mutual fund, you know, where other people are talking stocks. Talk about how investing in, in uh, individual stocks really help you to kind of maximize your return once you got a, a, a your start. So how did you actually start investing in individual stocks? Like what mechanism did you use? So fortunately, I had 401k um, in two places. And that meant that I had two financial institutions with which uh, I could go to that were already um, 
uh, um, providing services for myself and then I could open up another account specifically for um, to invest. And then I also used, so I had opened up um, a share builder account some years ago uh, for, for my sons um, just as a small way to invest and it got moved around. It was finally uh, E-Trade. And so that was an easier site I felt to start off with. Um, with with uh, investing, so I had a couple of others um, financial institutions that we uh, we we had, and I could use those. But but I actually ended up starting using E-Trade as my first platform to be able to purchase stock, and I, I took a little bit of money. It wasn't a lot. I think I had five hundred dollars, uh, and and started off there. But I had a list of stocks that I were, was considering as a result of looking um, and working through the process that I thought were um, going to be lucrative. And and I put those in my watch list. Uh, some of them I was not able to purchase initially at all. <laughs> I didn't have enough to be able to start off, but I kept looking at those. I kept watching those. And and then I, I go back and, and look at others, you know, occasionally. And um, you know, one was, was was Shopify, right? And it was really low at the time. Um, and and I, I waited a little long because I was trying to watch and see, uh, but uh, but still got in earlier uh, early enough to be able to see you know some big increases. And that was one of the stock that actually was a huge contributor to the success that we talked about in the 2018-2019 timeframe. Wow. Well, you you know what? Uh, it, to that end, I mean, you've given our audience so many nuggets just around how to analyze, optimize, and maximize. And so, what I the, finally what I want to ask you, Dia, is out of everything that you've learned on this journey, like what have been your, you know, like two most impactful um, uh, strategies that you feel could provide our, our audience with uh, uh, some more insight so and encourage them to take action themselves? Two most in, impactful. <laughs> so, I, so the first was making the investment in my financial well-being with, with WealthyU. And, and I, I know that that sounds probably a lot like a commercial, but I had worked with other programs before. Um, I, I had done financial assessments. I shouldn't say work with, but I've done financial assessments before with Primerica and, and Ameritrade and some others, right? I had done those things and I, you get this nice little sort of evaluation packet of, you know, what your financial resources were. And, um, and many times those things felt unreachable, right? Being able to take the next steps or, have the progress that I wanted felt unreasonable. So it wasn't the first time that I'd done a financial assessment, but this was, I think, the first time that felt like it was something in reach, right? That I could make small changes and 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 that would help me get there. So so that was number one, making the step to invest in my financial literacy and well-being. Uh, and then the 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 second I guess was investing the time um, because it really wasn't as hard as I thought it was. 
It just meant that I had to spend the time and we spend time on, on the things that we think are important. And some of us, you know, spend hours in a, a, a vegging on, uh, on Netflix and binging on Netflix and other things like that. And I mean, if we take one of those hours away from, from watching Netflix or whatever the other uh, TV station it is, streaming, uh, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, we take an hour away from that, uh, we, we have enough time to, to invest in and in making some, some better, some wiser choices that will actually pay dividends in the end. Mm, and, you know, we started out this conversation talking about uh, shifting to a wealth mindset and it really being around not getting exposed to investing and being a first generation investor. And you certainly talked about your own family and not having that access. And, and so my final question to you is, what do you think having this knowledge now will do for your own family and your own children? Oh, it's huge. I mean, we, we've started. So, so, you know, my, my sons have a bank account already, right? We, 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 we went to the local grocery store because there was a, a bank inside of there and it was easy to access. We wanted it to be simple for them. And so we take them into uh, the grocery store and I sat them down and we got their first bank accounts and we make them, use the register so that they understand putting money in and what that what happens with that and we open up on a monthly basis these are uh, custodial accounts so you know they don't have debit cards and all that but we open up the monthly statement and we look at you know how much did they increase in, in, in interest versus you know what they put in minimal small but they see something and when they get money for their birthday or or for holidays, it's we. There's a question we ask, and it's what do you want to do with your money? Do you want to put some into your your account, or, or or what? And so we give them that option. We we've bought books uh, or and a game that we use, somewhat similar to Monopoly, but actually talks about investing and and you know their monthly income versus. Uh, expenses and helping them to understand what are liabilities and 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 that those are terms that I did not know at all at eight right but that's a conversation that we now have in our home so that we talk about what is so we talk about and help them to learn and understand you know uh, financial uh, considerations that they would have to make we talk about like what it requires to buy a car and interest and all that stuff. I didn't know any of those things. We had none of those conversations. And when my son thinks that, you know, I can just use a credit card and go buy whatever it wants, we have a discussion about what that credit card means and, and where does the money actually come from? And so the experience that I had and the confidence I have and now changed it. And what did we do? Like I, I, every one of my nieces and my nephews and my kids, they got stock for, for the holiday. We didn't buy anything elaborate or whatever, but we went to stockpile and we bought them, you know, a share of something along with a toy so that they would, so if, if they like Barbie dolls, they got Hasbro, right? If they're playing video games, they got Nintendo. We, we did those things so that we could start teaching them. And, and that was huge in terms of the investment. No, we don't have 
millions of dollars that we could put into funds and just give them yet. <laughs> but but we but we're we're I think we're paying a lot forward in terms of giving them the knowledge and education that they didn't have. And so all of my nieces, they have at least one uh, of something that they play with or interested in just to start getting them understanding what it means. And I think that that's going to be invaluable starting at six and eight versus starting in your 40s, right, to, to understand this. Ah, oh, love it, Dia. Well, you just put a button on it because truly – uh, the knowledge of how to build wealth is the most valuable asset of all. So thank you for coming on Get Wealthy. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the work that you do, Deborah. Thank you for being here. Coming up, the three things you need to know to get wealthy from today's show. Let's be honest. As successful women, we're crushing it. Maxed out 401k and Roth IRA? Check. Aggressive savings and investments? Check. Yet, the freedom our success was supposed to buy can leave us stuck on the six-figure hamster wheel, watching retirement slip further down the road. There's another way. Get coaching courses and community at WealthyU.com. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and it's time to get wealthy. And here are the three things that you need to know or have learned in today's show. The first thing is, you know what? If you increase your knowledge, if you focus on increasing your financial acumen, you can build wealth. Number two, is what you'll find is that as your knowledge increases, so does your confidence. And we certainly saw that with Dia. She went from investing in mutual funds to investing in stocks. And then finally, it's not enough to just invest in whatever plan is available to you. You've got to expand your options and your access to investing so you can really learn how to make your money grow. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and this is what you need to know to get wealthy. I hope you enjoy the show today and that you apply everything that you've learned to get wealthy. <laughs>